This is Shaco Art Speak. Welcome to Shaco Art Speak. I'm Ryan Laterio. My middle initial is T. So I'm just putting that out there as like a new bit of information. That really should change a lot for anybody listening. And what's Gareth, you, what you've been waiting for. Gareth Blackwell. What's your middle initial? C. C. So we call him C note sometimes. And yeah. We never have. No. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes we mean right now. Yeah, like right now. Yeah. I'm all about living in the moment. So whenever you say I sometimes do, all you can do is appeal to the moment you said it. Hey, it sounds good, T Bone. Yeah, thanks, man. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like I'm owning that. I, I've never been called that in my life, but I have because you just did it. I've never called C Note before now. Yeah, C Note and T Bone here live. Shaco Art Speak. This is you know we're in year three. Nicknames get richer, deeper, <laughs> and more. Light on new shadows. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting some nuance into the shadow. <laughs> um. So we're talking about um. Artists needing to spend $9 million on paint. No kidding. We're not talking about that. It'd be a short episode. Yeah, it'd be a really like, short yeah, episode. Don't. Because don't do it. And I don't really know what it would be like to do that. Um, I have bought some Daniel Smith paint or some old Holland paint in the past, and I spent a decent amount of money and it hurt. What's but, that um, price per ounce? Oh, I don't want to. I don't know. A lot. A lot when, you're, when you don't have money. A yeah, lot when you don't yeah. have money. I bet it's still a lot if you do. It's a lot you when you do. don't feel it. I mean, when you're staring down like a $100 tube of paint. Yeah. That's, mm, that's, mm. Mm-hmm. And it's like that big. It's like three inches, you know, yeah. tall and quarter inch wide. I want to see that. Uh, I want to see that painting that comes yeah. out of that hundred dollar tube of paint. Yeah, I mean, or the seven or eight hundred dollar tubes of paint. If you want to see paint. that paint, you got to look at uh, Curtis Newkirk's paintings because Ooh. years ago I gave him all my oil paint. Curtis Newkirk. Oh, and I was like, I don't know if you realize, Kurt, this is expensive paint, man. I mean, I like spent paychecks on this stuff <laughs> when I was working at the art store. So what you're saying is, yeah, his beautiful work is completely is, because is of completely because of you. It's because of the paint. The paint. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, but for real though, uh, check him out. It's a shout out. Unprovoked. Just Unprovoked. Shout out to check Curtis Newkirk. Newkirk. He's a fantastic painter. Yeah, great stuff. He's one of my faves. Um, but yeah, so it, the the true is we in our rethink series. You know, we've just got a slew of topics, and um, yeah, who knows? There were so many things we could rethink. Yeah, there's plenty to rethink. Seems like yeah. we're at one of those. You know. The, the precipice of maybe needing to rethink some things. And so one of those things, and, you know, this is a gentle rethink. It's not a um, scathing thing or yeah. it's, it's just something like legitimately we've been thinking about and kind of want to pull you into the conversation, which is um, rethinking uh, the artist in isolation. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What kind of, I guess I'm trying to think, like, if you say, like, if we were to lay out a buffet of connotations that may or may not be true, what are some of the connotations that well, come from that? One thing, just because of the, the, the time frame we're, we're emerging from, like I think some people might hear that and be like, oh, are you talking about COVID again? Yeah. But that, that's not what we mean. No. It's not a, it's not a, I mean, I'm not thinking along um, uh, a space where it's like, like forced isolation because of circumstances beyond your control. Totally. It's not, not that. Yeah, not that. Um, but it is like the isolation that, that you choose, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't maybe feel like a choice sometimes. Yeah. Like we do yeah. have that choice. Yeah. I mean, I think if I, if I say like connotations, there's, there's a, a, a kind of a gamut. I think one of the reasons to rethink this is I do think for a lot of studio artists, it is a deeply held assumption that, that it's a given that we are uh, isolated or even, even a step further that it's, it's sort of championed. It's a truism that kind of comes out of the modern era, the yeah. kind of heroic, the heroic artists in the studio facing down, uh, existentialism, like their their existence and um, braving the unknown. I think I think you know, and I, actually, I think a lot of those things are true. Actually, I don't think that they're not true. I don't think that there isn't mm, 
a, a, a time and a place where there were artists that were, were being quite brave and daring to do things when it um, wasn't permissible or um, wasn't acceptable. But the, the, the way that an idea can become crystallized mm -hmm. and then sort of imbued into um, communication through universities, through galleries, it becomes like a propagated idea that um, I think for most lands in an atmosphere or intuitive space of, oh, yeah, I, I, I just got to work alone. And a lot of us actually like to be alone when we're working, ex yeah. when we're ex um, explicitly working. Um, I mean, I guess what I would say, um, that I found is, and, you know, I'd be curious to know how this plays out in design. Cause I, you know, I think, I think there's just times where you do have to work quietly by yourself. That's mm -hmm. just, you know, for a lot of us, if you're, you know, but I know for me, if I stayed working quietly and alone, what, what tends to happen over time is I actually almost forget how to talk to people mm -hmm. and I lose track of, um, myself in relationship to others. And then, and then I can get absolved into the work. Mm -hmm are absorbed into the work and um, uh, really lose track of myself completely. And so I, I guess that's one of the questions yeah. I'm raising is, I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily have like a good, good way forward per se. It's literally like an honest, like, hey, I'm, I want to think about this. Yeah, I mean, it may be just because of the time of day it is. Um, but, you know, I kind of think of um, the idea of isolation kind of like a good cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Um, you were talking about like the heroic artist and mm -hmm. kind of almost the necessity, the the way that we're uh, implicitly taught sometimes through school yeah. or training or apprenticeship or whatever that like, oh, by yourself is how it has to happen. Um, and then also what you're saying about um, that we actually do work pretty well by ourselves on certain things. It's good yeah. for focus and, and attention and things like that. But if somebody came to me and they said, you know, the only thing, the only thing that defines a good cheeseburger is the type of cheese on it. Mm -hmm. I'd say, ah, there's so many other parts. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, if you have a, a garbage bun or terrible toppings or bad meat, you know, then, then it affects it all. Gross. So, you know, it's just like, oh, it's nasty. Like there may still be a good part of it, but the rest isn't there. So when I think of uh, this idea of isolation, it's more of kind of some of the stuff we talked about in previous episodes where we, we tend to prioritize topics and then we don't realize that they actually fit within a community of ideas. Mm -hmm. So. Like my isolation can be really good. Like, uh, you know, there's certain things. Um, put together some books for uh, the the current show that we have right now, and I I couldn't do that with a whole bunch of people around me. You know, I couldn't do it within like a factory feeling setting with loud noises and stuff. Instead, it's headphones, it's music, it's focus, mm -hmm. it's deliberate, it's in the room, long hours by myself, and that works. But if it stopped there. If I didn't turn around and then show it to somebody else, ask for some input, if I didn't say, oh, what artists am I looking at? What designers am I getting cues from? What sort of things do I like? What things in the world really help me like make sense of uh, the colors, the way things sit, what these groupings are like, how size changes the impact of an image on the page? If those things weren't a part of the conversation and I'm just assuming I'm in isolation, then I'm then I'm just, I'm taking, I'm taking so much credit for so many other people mm -hmm. and what they've done to help me, yeah, to influence to that point. me, yeah, to impact yeah. me, to get there. And so it really does feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm in isolation at that moment, but that doesn't mean that that isolation is the totality of how I'm working mm -hmm. or how that work is coming about. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the, maybe the rub is it's not so much that you don't actually literally have to work in, in those kinds of moments. Cause I definitely have to. Yeah. But I think, um, I came out of a, 
I think there's a lot of us that are studio artists, and I don't think I'm alone in this, where in, in maybe it's fine, so it's more like it's not really a critique even. It's just more of a think about it um, where you almost romanticized being in the studio, and it, it becomes a way of not dealing with yourself or, or with um, other aspects of your life. You know, so it's not, it's, it's not, there's like, it's like the, the notion of the isolated artist, the artist working alone in their studio, because who else can do it versus the room, you know, the actual fact that that has to happen. And that's that, um, that ideal comes into contact with the actual thing and it's, it can be unhealthy yeah, and actually make you less able to be in the studio when you have the time to be in the studio, because you're just not like your mental health or your Mm -hmm. physical health or your relational state of being you can lose perspective very quickly yeah and so i you know even thinking about patterns of despair one of the things that um i found uh years and years ago years ago is my patterns of despair were higher when i was in the studio by myself for very long i'm talking months at months on end um where i'm not really seeing anybody yeah listening to music eating food consuming making uh, ruminating, thinking, reflecting, but there's no one else to kind of draw me out of myself and, and kind of as like a relational check and balance, yeah. kind of uh, find my footing. And, but, but I, I, I just, I remember distinctly that in those seasons of life, um, I had the romantic notion as my justification for persisting, even at the expense of my health and my well being. You know what I'm saying? Because I had this idyllic image in my mind of like, well, but this is what it means to be a studio artist is mm-hmm. in the studio. And, uh, and, and then it became, uh, um, more isolating because you start to wrap around that, the idea that no one else could understand what's happening in my studio. Yeah. So then you start to cultivate the, uh, you're, you're kind of cut off and then you've cultivated the personal narrative. No one could understand this. No one can appreciate this. No one. And then in the same breath, you're expecting people to like get what you do. Mm-hmm. So now that miraculous pressure we've talked about in the past is put onto the work but it's actually not generated out of the work. It's generated out of this cycle of isolating. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So it mm-hmm. becomes cyclical. It actually undermines your, your work and it doesn't create an invitational space or an invitation to the, the reality, the true reality of your work. And you've closed the door on, on recipients of your work without even realizing it. Yeah, and, and also like as you're, as you're talking, the thing that, um, the question that popped up in my head is, Within that space, if you are in your studio for months, not really interacting with a lot of folks, what do you do when you get stuck? Mm-hmm. Like when the work's just not working. Yeah. You know, like if, if you're the only voice to talk to and you're the one who made the work that you feel isn't working. Yeah. Like where, where's that release? Where's that, like where's that change? Where, how does that, how's that go somewhere different? Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I don't, <clears throat> and I think, I think to like, uh, like, my thesis in grad school like that was the you know months on end doing a thing just me mm-hmm. not really having conversations with folks about it um and then like with first kind of review of stuff having the first input and my reaction very much is exactly like what you're talking about where i was like oh you just don't understand what i'm doing yeah and they're like no you you're not doing it well yeah because you're just talking to yourself yeah you know, and that's not, it's not always helpful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's good to have those moments where you're really struggling against the work mm-hmm. and you're really making the work do a thing mm-hmm. and you can't get there or you got the wrong methods or whatever. Yeah. Um, but most of the time I've found that uh, 
perspective doesn't happen in isolation. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't. So where I've needed perspective, it's always come from somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's always, and even if that's, you know, something as simple as, um, sometimes it's people that have no concept at all of what you're doing mm-hmm. where you tell them something and they go, Oh, well, none of that makes any sense. I had a fantastic, uh, I just went to dinner with some friends early on during doctoral work and we were about six of us sitting around a table and I was saying some things, uh, about the research I was doing and they were like, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why, why is that? Why is that a thing? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it, it, it should be, it, it should always be, this should be the case. And like, no, nah, you got a bunch of assumptions there that don't actually play out in the real world. Let me tell you how I am. And this is somebody who is like a government worker, you know, very much a bureaucrat, um, but seeing things from the other side. And after that, I, I was like, huh, I actually do need to rethink a couple of things. Yeah. 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 And it, it wouldn't would, have yeah. happened because I would have just been reading the same voices kind mm-hmm. of in an echo chamber by yep. myself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, I think that's one of the big, the big imperatives. I mean, this is like, this kind of walks us back into why we talk about it's important to both know and be known. Like yeah. what that means is, um, there's the benefit of meeting the the new person who has like lightning rod insight. They, they don't know you well enough to not tell you what they're about to tell you and they do it. Yeah. And you, sometimes you're blessed by that, but you know, um, but longstandingly it's good to have people that have like know you and, uh, and a lot of times the, what I found is the way people become more connected to your work is by actually knowing you. And that's not a cheap thing and it doesn't cheapen the work, but you, you sort of are in some ways um, more of a gateway into your work. It's like welcoming somebody into your home or your garden. Yeah. You, th- this modernist pressure for the work to speak for itself, which I ebb and flow between. I do think things do things independently. And so I, I, I don't think it's magnanimous one way or the other. But I do think there's uh, something about, you know, Willy Wonka walking forward, flipping over and opening the door of the, the chocolate factory. Yeah, yeah. And even though he's nuts, he, you know, he's, he's giving explanations for things. They, they're idiosyncratic, but, um, but you still need that. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, it doesn't completely destroy the mystery of the, the chocolate factory yeah, yeah. or your painting or your sculpture or your, your, your design work, whatever it is. Like, um, so there, there's something about you being known to where it's easier for people to step in and be meaningful or consequential in your studio practice. An example of that for me would be my wife. She's had such a, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder relationship with me as far as being an artist goes that she's been in my studio the whole time I've been an artist, uh, the last 20 years. And, um, so she can more easily step in and say things that other people can't say to me because her familiarity, her knowledge of me, her, you know, and her insights. So she's a, she has general in, get capacity, just independent of me uh, when it comes to aesthetics and design and art. And then she has particular understanding of me. Yeah. And so she can come in and just go, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And whereas other people, you know, can't say that to me. Like, why would you do that? Like, doesn't, you know, it looks off or, you know, just like that looks terrible. Here's why. And um, you know, it's helpful. And uh, even though sometimes it hurts, like you're like, come yeah. on, I'm not ready for that. But, um, but, but there's a power to it. And there's been some seminal moments where she spoke in that it turned the helped a piece turn a corner mm-hmm. and um, you know, or she'll, she'll be like, you should use these colors. And she, she'll secretly be like, that's my painting now. Like, you know, like messing with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so there's a collaborative aspect in, um, and I'm enriched by it. And it's like vital. It's like without that, without those interventions, uh, coming with someone that I act, that actually does get it, mm-hmm. and the way that they got it is because they got me. Yeah, 
Um, and then if you diversify that, if you have friends, you know, I got friends like, you know, you included like all these friends that can kind of come in and talk to me. And the more that expands, the more freedom I have in the studio and the less yeah. tension I have because in my conscious mind, I'm not isolated. Even when no one's in the room, I'm aware of the people that are, that actually are like literally in my, my life space that care about me. Yeah. That, um, the difference between knowing I can call a friend and not or the difference between knowing that someone could show up today in my studio or not is paramount, actually. Mm-hmm. Opening, the, opening the windows up to your space and letting people in without feeling like you have to apologize for being an artist. Yeah. So, you know, having friends that are artists, but also having friends that are not artists actually enter into your studio space. And the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. And the, the more that that actually just sets up an ease for, for selling work, mm-hmm. for inviting, you know, cultivating patrons, for interacting with gallerists, um, and, uh, the more practice it is, the less of a big deal it is, but also the more enriching it is. Like you just become a better person, you know, by comparison. Right. You know, even if you're like, you know, so some, so one last thing really quick is like, so if you're like super antisocial, which I've been, um, it becomes self-fulfilling. Yeah. You don't really know if you're antisocial or it's just that you've not let people in. And so, um, and trust is scary and all of that stuff. And, and, you know, it takes time. So, but, um, it may be that you're only antisocial because you've told yourself so and therefore never given the alternative a chance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think it's really important. I think you're making a, a designation here that I don't want to get lost. Um, you know, you're talking about like friends, loved ones, family. Um, you're talking about like the, the categories of relationships that we tend to have that are like real and mm-hmm. deep um, and meaningful and lasting. And I think that's really important because um, I think what we don't want to do is is say is have somebody say, yeah, you're right. I see. Maybe maybe I am a little more isolated than I should be. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have a couple of voices speak in, you know. So I'm gonna go find somebody who's like an expert. I don't really have a relationship. Yeah, with that's just right. Let them talk. I'm to gonna you. Pick, now. Yeah. I'm not isolated. Yeah, that's, that's like, a great point. Now, now you're probably still isolated. Yeah, because what we're talking about is not we're not talking about like some functional utilitarian way to use people to an end. Yeah, we're talking about the necessity of ingraining real people and relationships into your life for mm-hmm. the betterment of you and your work. Yep. You know, and I think that's, um, cause the times where I've made the most fruitful work have been the times where I've had the most fruitful relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and it's not to say that I can't make good work in those times when it's not really popping yeah. off. Where yeah. Things yeah. are going well. Um, cause there, when we moved to Richmond, we knew nobody, Yeah, we, not a soul. We just knew we, coming to VCU. Yeah. So show up a couple weeks before school starts. And what do I do for the first two, three months? Yeah. Well, I just dig into my sketchbook. I dig into some projects. I dig into my schoolwork. Yeah. And I would say that I was productive. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was qualitatively productive. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely quantitatively productive. Yep. And, you know, but those are things that only come through really through hindsight. Mm -hmm. Um, But then started meeting folks. So met you, mm-hmm. met some of the people who are still my friends now, uh, met folks, got into deeper relationships with classmates. Mm-hmm. Um, and what started happening is their work, their ideas, their input started to create a real good network of yep. things that now I wasn't being quantitatively productive, I was mm-hmm. being qualitatively yep. productive. Yep. Because other people started popping in with some ideas and saying, "Huh, that seems that seems overdone. It yeah. seems like you don't need to waste your time. That seems really good. Yep. Actually, I had an idea similar. Let's do this thing." Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't happen in isolation. Mm-hmm. 
So I would say right now, like even looking back at the coming up on 10 years we've been at Richmond, mm-hmm. the isolation that I literally had at the beginning, the isolation I've kind of imposed on myself at times in the last decade, um, those things were, were never as productive as I told myself they were in the moment. Totally. But they, they were something that could be instructive and helpful mm-hmm. as I progress through that timeline. Um, and now it's a point where I don't even have to ask certain people for their input. They mm-hmm. will tell me. And, you know, I don't have to ask people for a certain check. It'll be there. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's great because it's assumed on some levels. Mm-hmm. Almost to a point where with other folks, I'm like, oh, you, you don't have anything to you don't have anything to say. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, what, what do you think? And there's like, well, I don't know. This is nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But, but what about, cause I'm, right. I've, I've worked hard to try to assume the opposite. Yeah. 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 Which is a tough well, place to get. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that raises the other point that that's in this maybe is a, uh, one more step is learning to step into other people's worlds yeah. that are not arts related, but are arts related. So like in, in the work of your studio practice, you don't have to be so enthralled in the particular things you're doing with the paintings, although it's really, I'm tunnel vision, so it's hard for me not to, um, but, but to also be willing to, to kind of give yourself to uh, things other people are doing. Like we're going to have someone on soon that is working in like PT stuff, like physical therapy stuff. And yeah, just, just listening to his world was so enriching and exciting in the way that he's talking about creativity, which I'm excited to have him come on. But, um, you know, you, you start talking to people in their, their spheres of work and influence, you'll find all these incredible overlaps and then you'll find these departures and you'll find tidbits of inspiration that you just wouldn't get if you stayed in a, in the echo chamber of what you do. Yeah. Um, but also there's, there's something about giving at, uh, that it matters equal to or more than receiving. So if you're only ever, if you're only ever wanting everything directed at you then you but you're never really genuinely invested in anybody else Mm -hmm. you you won't be as good in the studio as you think that you will be if you don't do that you if you think it's paradoxical you feel like you're going to lose time and energy i don't got time for this Mm -hmm. but if you really can rethink and reposture yourself you'll find that you're you're lifted and alleviated and it's, it's mutually beneficial is what I always say, or like yeah. mutually enhancing, mutually beneficial. Ideally, you know, not every occasion there might, you might have a, a, a person who just sucks you dry and boundaries yeah. are important that kind of thing. But j- just in the general idea, um, if you're never lifting a finger, finger to other people or you're only doing it so you can get in return, that's, a, that's something to think about because I think when you're really freed up, um, the best, the best conversations happen in, in um, the best possible state of being for yourself or comparatively, at least I think, I think has more potential to open up. Like you just can kind of come into the, 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 the studio with more clarity, you know? So like if people are talking about their gardens or if people are talking about their construction, I mean, plumbing, yeah. you name it. Like if, if someone wants to share with me, um, I'm excited to hear. And if I can help, I'm excited to help. And I find that those things are, um, they keep me out of my de- my depressive rhythms. Mm-hmm. So even when I'm in one, which I've been in one, like it it it's mitigated by it doesn't go as deep as maybe it would if I was yeah. completely by myself, you know. Um, and then I'm not um, making depressive art, which then makes justifies me feeling depressed. So then I keep doing it. Like it's like the cycle, you know. I'm I'm able to kind of be a little more lucid and clear headed, and um, it just requires humility, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it means that you, not like fake. Oh, I'm so humble. I mean, like 
true awareness that you cannot put it together by yourself. Yeah. Real understanding that you're just not um, so much better than everybody else that no one else can get me. And, um, you know, who, who have you given a chance to get? And who, who do you get? Yeah. Right? Like, who are you getting such that you understand what it means to be got and, and, mm-hmm. and therefore why no one can get you? Yeah. I, um, when I was uh, in grad school, some stuff happened. I mean, the first, first semester of grad school, Hurricane Katrina destroyed my hometown. Um, messed up a lot of stuff. Uh, the university that I was going to um, hadn't been wholly honest about what my mm. financial aid package was. So, Don't you just love that? Uh, you know, it came up very short, which means I was scrounging around searching for some other stuff so I could actually pay the bills mm-hmm. for the place that I was living based on the numbers they gave me, you know, six months prior. Um, so at that point, I'm like, I'm, I'm a big adult. I'm so responsible. Everything's good. You know, won't be in like 21 years old. Um, and not really having, not really being those things. So my parents stepped in with a little bit and they were like, Hey, we, you know, we want to give you a little money, uh, help out with some stuff. And I was very just prideful. And I was like, no, no, I'm not doing it. I will not take it. My mom said something to me that uh, I think kind of ripples across a lot of things, including conversations like this. And she was like, you know, this money isn't just meant for your good. She's like, but you really can take away from other people's joy when you don't accept certain things. And like, it just, like it hit me funny in the moment, but it's kind of aged Mm -hmm. the older I've gotten. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, and it, and I understand what she says, what she was saying. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so also when we think about isolation, we can think about, Oh, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. It's like, but, but who else might really need your input Mm -hmm. on, you know, your insight on the work you do. Yeah. Who might need to be introduced into the world you know about? Right. Your isolation is cutting them off yep. from being in that space. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's cutting them off from, you know, because, you know, we got friends that have no concept of what we do. It's just mm-hmm. not in, it's never been in their vocabulary. Nope. It's never been anything. And they will step into the gallery and they're just like, wow, this is, this is crazy. I didn't realize that I could just like come in here and like just be me. I thought yeah. it was going to be a different world entirely. Yep. yep. And without, without you or I to kind of allow that kind of relationship to be there, Mm-hmm. If we were just staying in isolation, we're like, no, we're the we're art people. We do the gallery. Yeah, you don't get it, so you're not welcome. If you don't get it, then you can't come in. Yeah, and it and it makes it makes a club where nobody's happy to be yeah. in it or out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I suspect that the art world uh, has functioned that way quite a bit, and I think a lot of us know that. It's a good thing to suspect. And we have an opportunity to kind of take stock and change things, mm-hmm. and decide: Do you want to go back to that? Do you want to go back to these self self aggrandizing, self congratulation kind of elitist parties? I mean, I'll, I'll always push against elitism. Uh, the only f- yeah. caution I have to myself is to not become elitist in doing it. Be elitist um, that you're pushing against elitism. Yeah, yeah, so it's like there's a, there's a, a, a fatal flaw in there somewhere. Yeah. But, um, you know, you, if, you, if you're always trying to hold on to the house you, you built in that way, you're not in it. Like, imagine holding your house up over your head. Yeah. You're never going to have any hands to lift anybody else because you're constantly holding up what you, mm-hmm. what you put above everybody else. The question is, is there another way? I mean, that, that's what I want to think about, you know, like, so, I Definitely. mean, I'm really thinking about this in my own studio practice. Like this is, you know, this topic in part I brought up because it, it's, it's uh, weighing on me personally, as far as what am I missing? What do I need to rethink a little bit? What have I experienced in different seasons of life doing this for so long now? And um, what is a healthy relationship to making look like, Yeah, you know? And, um, so, you know, the isolation thing is big, man, because I am in my studio by myself quite a bit. Mm-hmm. 
but I also have a lot of friends. Well, I think um, um, one more area about isolation that, that really uh, I think is good to talk about uh, to make sure that we hit the point. Um, you know, some of those buzzwords we've, we've talked about over and over again in the past, you know, one, <coughs> excuse me, one of them um, in the university space mm-hmm. is very much this idea of interdisciplinarity mm-hmm. or transdisciplinarity or, you know, post-disciplinarity or whatever. Um, and that, that assumes relational context. It mm-hmm. assumes relational connections. Um, because if I'm in the arts, then, then, then the desire is to work with someone in history mm-hmm. or, you know, other humanities or in STEM spaces or medicine or whatever it may be. And I think when we talk about, when we look at isolation, I think sometimes the eye roll about interdisciplinarity can be because what we see is two people from separate fields working in isolation together Mm -hmm. which can often be the bad result of bad interdisciplinarity yeah so you have somebody who says you know what i did i went and i talked to a i talked to a uh, a chemist for an hour got a little information and i came back and i i did some graphic design yeah we we collaborated we 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 did some interdisciplinarity stuff yeah and it's like no you you did work in isolation yeah yeah where you talked where you asked some questions yeah and so what does it look like if we actually are pushing towards relational things, even within a dynamic of, of a university, mm-hmm. of a workplace? What does yeah. it look like to not be isolationist? Well, I, I, I can't. I, that's a that's like a big category, and I can't help it. I'm a little cynical with that one because I think it, it's even more sinister than what you're saying. I think it's, I mean, it's at least what you're saying, but I think I put some sinister ooze on top and say that most the times I've found a greater portion of people that are like virtue signaling Mm-hmm. collaboration which is why the so the work is to say i collaborated the work yeah. is not the outcome that flows from the collaboration although that that can be good there's a heart disposition that is like i want to be at the forefront of whatever the forefront is mm-hmm. so there's a proportion of people that are like whatever the forefront of progressive making is i want to be that and you start to see it and it becomes obvious and it becomes sad but but then for those people they'll lead this veneer kicks in mm-hmm. and they grab onto whatever sword and authority they have. And then they, they act as an oppressor mm-hmm. uh, while, while claiming to not be an oppressor. Yeah. Um, um, and, and which is another form of isolation. You're, you're actually really controlled, you know, the, the, the person who's telling you not to bully is actually being a bully and they yeah. can't, they're blinded by their narcissism and their need to be progressive. So they can't actually see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that that's always a temptation with researchers, with institutions. Um, there's nothing like trivial and hollow, hollow work. It just stinks. It, it has like a stench to it. Yeah. Cause I think a bad way to move out of isolation is to try to co-opt or strong arm somebody else's field or expertise yes. into your identity. Oh my and goodness. Say, now I'm not, I'm working together with people. Yeah, you know, look at me. I'm working at. I'm working with these folks who are outside of the arts or mm-hmm. design. I'm working with these other things. I'm mm-hmm. doing this stuff, and it and it can become. Yeah, I mean, it it can. I mean, in its worst sense, it can be abusive. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I found actually is a lot of times the people that are really collaborating, you almost don't know about it. No, it's just like part and parcel of what they are. Yeah, it's just because they're not doing it to get the attention, so they don't need to tell you. You only discover later they did this thing, and you're like, "How did you guys do this? Well, we collaborated. I did this. They did that. We were working yeah. on this thing." This whole team came together. It's like the idea of academic collaboration is hilarious to me in a lot of ways, which we're totally derailing right now. But 
because it's as if it's we didn't, yeah, as if we didn't collaborate on everything. Yeah. You make a movie, it's a collaboration. You build a house, it's a collaboration. You get food from Taco Bell, there is a collaboration. 100%. Collaboration is not unique or special. No. So when you do it to isolate and gather up an identity for yourself that drives people away and allows you to gain real estate. So like the people, this is totally tangential, but the people that think that somehow they're better because they're not operating in a capitalist system, but they're capitalizing on great research grants mm -hmm. and they're acting as if that's not some form of capitalism actually, yeah. you're not in a better spot. You're no. not better. You positionally, you're not, you're not elitist from that. I'm not talking about financial systems or, you know, uh, social systems. I'm just saying that, you know, this has been a problem and this is why a lot of universities are failing or struggling and uh, imploding. And it's because of runaway narcissism, elitism and arrogance and the need to always be uh, perceived as the best at everything. Well, I mean, there's, you know, we, we talk about siloing and all it is is institutional. Yes. With everything we're talking about, it's just the yeah. institutional version of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. just isolation in an institutional way. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is, and it's not isolation that's forced on us. Mm -hmm. This is isolation that we are okay with. So in the same way we're talking about like the implicit teaching in mm -hmm. schools and, and through work environments that we need to be the heroic artists and mm -hmm. we need to be the, the central figure in our history moving forward, mm -hmm. whatever it is, that we have to do that by ourselves in our studio, void of anything and any connection. If you if you transfer those ideas to an institutional space, you get silently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You where you it. say, Well, we right. we are the true art. Yeah. You know, we are the way forward. Mm -hmm. We are the thing that will that will redeem all the rest of these other yep. terrible fields around me that mm -hmm. I have to suffer with at full faculty meetings. Yeah. Um, which isn't the case. Which isn't the case. Not not at all. Yeah. And um And it's it's sad that there's that so and so here's the thing, if you're listening and you're like you've you've been under the blunt of that kind of institutional mm -hmm mayhem at times or just the oppression um you may find yourself in a self-preserving place kind of feeling isolated and being isolated and that's why yeah that's why i want to be gentle here because i've been on that side of it and what you don't want to do like what i'm saying is there are other people that are going to be excited about you and and want to work with you or know you and um i guess some in some ways it's like don't let institutions determine your trajectory mm -hmm more than they're supposed to right and don't let the worst of institutions determine a story ahead of you that is fixed in your mind you know that's the whole point of rethinking these things it's like is it necessary you know um uh you know maybe we should just do it on maybe maybe then i'm just calling calling it now maybe we'll do it on rethink. shots yeah rethink going art school mm. is maybe Ooh. the next one we'll do yeah we'll do that i think the the last big point for me is that I think it can be easy for us to think about these concepts of isolation. It is easy for us to fall into these spaces of isolation yes. because we um, we have built a culture in which we assume the natural state of a human being mm -hmm. is isolation. Yeah, it's it's the whole. That's the, the wrong assumption. It's the the the, the nihilist, desperate, empty, yeah. existentialist idea that um, I was born into a cold, terrible world by myself, and that is where I will mm -hmm. die. If that's your, if that's your, if, if that's your full understanding of the foundation of existence, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to constantly work against that yep. because you're going to say, no, isolation is, is natural. It's normal. Yeah. Um, but tell me that after you've been, you know, uh, you've moved to a new city, you don't have a ton of folks around you that you know, 
and you're working in a job where nobody's really becoming friends with you. Tell mm-hmm. me that that's your natural state. That anything in your body tells you that that's natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything in your experience I mean, to want to let's be honest, pat, 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 like we can kind of say, oh, they're just working for a pat on the back. And what's lost in that is pat on the backs are, are not a bad thing. Oh, they're great, man. Yeah. I mean, it's every now uh, and then, man, when the basketball coach, when I was in high school, gives you a pat on the back, you're like, that means a lot. Thank you. And I had a soccer coach growing up, and if he told you good job, like you may as well like go buy a lottery ticket right then because it was yeah. the greatest day of your life. And but it was huge. Yeah, it meant something. Uh, they were very, uh, you know, they weren't handed out uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, if you have that space where you're actually in those deeper relationships where you don't have this isolation, mm-hmm. um, at least not as the norm. Yep. Um, then you can start getting to the place where you're like, I feel super encouraged by stuff. Yeah. Even when it sucks. Yeah. Even when it sucks. Even when it's down. Maybe with uh, my level of, you know, uh, production or work or like hitting it or getting the show or not getting the show. Whenever those things go one way or the other, you still got something that's a foundation. That's, yeah. Let's be honest. It's a whole lot better than. Yeah. Art. yeah I'm going to throw in like my final, or maybe our final. Final, final, final. This is the final, final, final. <laughs> I'm just going to say kick existentialism in the face a little bit. But yeah. Because it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Because you know, if you're being honest, self-authenticating actions can't be shared. That's the tenet. And so then you're left uh, with an inability to utter a meaningful encounter. And all I'm saying is you may have actually had the meaningful encounter, but it actually is, it's, it, uh, any meaningful encounter we find in this world is meant to be shared. You know what I like better than thinking about whether my existence matters or not? What's that? Existing and doing things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like proving it through the, through the actual actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's like assuming it. I mean, I'm just assuming. I mean, that's why the actions can happen. Yeah, actions are freed up because you just assume it. But so, like, so to like, so just to say, don't fall into the trappings of, um, don't let that be your motivation. Find a new motivation because work is meant to be seen. And every kid that makes something says, "Look, Mm -hmm. that's not a childish thing. That's a human thing, and it tells us something substantial that's so serious that it's sort of born into." us immediately we don't have to learn it it's innate and so you have to go ahead and take that seriously and not dismiss it as childish yeah totally i mean i um to that point you know um had a daughter four weeks ago well for the last month uh i've been doing nothing but showing photos and saying look Mm -hmm. like that's it yeah i'm happy about that Yeah. yeah yeah and i don't have any qualms with it yeah um and nobody thinks i'm childish in doing it yeah so if we transfer that to other things mm-hmm. that are maybe not as groundbreaking as having a kid, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's our newest painting, our newest design, this new thing we like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we yeah. do, we do it about, I mean, you and I are sending people each other like Facebook uh, things, YouTube videos, mm-hmm. tweets all day. Yeah. Look, yeah, look, yeah. look all yeah. day. It's a natural, natural yep. thing. Yeah. So why not with the work we do? Yeah. So don't, don't assume you, you're isolated and no one can understand. I would really, I mean, I'm down to talk about that more even off, off air, but uh, if you're struggling with that, I'm, I'm definitely down to talk about that. I was going to say, if, yeah. if you're here and you're like, yeah, all this stuff makes sense, I hear it, but I don't know what the, what the space is out of that isolation. I don't know what the new, first step is. Hit us up. Yeah, Info we'll at com. We're happy to have you. Come on down. We'll, uh, we'll invite you to some things. We'll have you hang out. We'll talk about some yeah. stuff. We're happy to do it. Yep. Because um, we believe in a holistic society of generative artists and designers that mm-hmm. know and are known by each other. Mm-hmm. And on that note, Thank you. Yeah, we love you. See you next time. Fantastic audience. Peace out. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. 
We can be found online at ShacoArtspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.